It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. And thank you to patrons of the program like WC and Caddy and David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam, Paul, and Dustin. Uh, they became patrons to support the show and keep it going. And I am forever grateful and indebted for that uh if you would like to become a patron you can get exclusive content like our live streams that we do every single week as well as some merchandise you go to thepetecallendershow.com and you subscribe first and foremost you subscribe but then also there's a link there at the top that says exclusive content for patrons and uh that'll take you to the patreon page that's the platform i use so a bit of a different show and i'll get into that in a minute first i'm going to get into general equipment rental when the springtime gets here and we're in our house uh christy and i we're in the process of uh building a house it's not like a spec built you know it's part of like a neighborhood so we get to make some decisions on some of it but uh one of the decisions uh, that we're going to have to make is where to store all of the yard equipment that we sold off and donated <laughs> about five years ago when we sold our old house and we didn't need this stuff anymore and we weren't going to pay for storage. So now we got to replenish it, which means general equipment rental. It's going to get a bunch of my money because they are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So whether you're a homeowner looking to you know, replace equipment for the springtime work that needs to be done around the house, or you are a, uh, maybe you're a contractor, you do commercial work and you need some tools that are going to last. This is where you need to go. And the folks at General Equipment Rental, because they are your official licensed dealer, they know this equipment. And so they can walk you through all of the changes, the differences from year to year, model to model. They can help guide you and make recommendations on the best tool for a particular job. So go on into General Equipment Rental, their website, by the way, generalrents.com, and you can see, uh, I mean, just a massive selection of uh, of tools and equipment. Uh, but also, if you're not in the market to buy these tools, you can just rent them, right? So if you just need to till, you know, the garden once, and that's it, you don't need to buy a tiller, just go rent one from them. Or how about this? You got to do some fence work. And... Um, do you want to auger? You want to be able to like not spend 17 hours digging a single hole with one of those post hole digger devices? Like go rent an, an auger and you'll be done in like 15 minutes. It's fantastic. I speak from experience. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. They are in Weaverville, conveniently located at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Uh, so super easy to get to. Lots of surface parking out front. So if you got the big truck or whatever, it's not going to matter. And tell them you heard it here on the podcast. I appreciate that. General Equipment Rental. Think outside your toolbox. All right. So as I mentioned, a bit of a different show today. Not so heavy on the politics and current events, but it does have a connection. Okay. When Rush Limbaugh died, um, I, like virtually everybody else in the radio industry, acknowledged and expressed gratitude for his influence on my life. I mean, he created an entire industry that I made my career. And without Rush, there would be no talk show host Pete Callender, right? I mean, yes, I guess I could have gone to work as a an NPR host reading people's names who 
donated money to the spring campaign. Title sponsors of the show today. I could, I could have done that. I could have been relegated <laughs> to that kind of an existence. But uh, luckily, I don't have to do that. I can just be myself, and I can make my way in this entire industry that Rush uh, created, basically. So the other day when I did this topic after Rush had died, I got a message from a listener named Ray who said that Rush helped lead his dad, Mark, to God, which changed the entire family dynamic. Ray said, quote, I'm sure this was not Rush's plan, but it was God's plan. I'm sure that I'm not the only one who has a story like this, but it just illustrates how what we do can ha- uh, can have effects in the lives of others that we will never see. Rest in peace, Rush Limbaugh. Now, I have known Ray's dad, Mark, for more than two decades. And joining me now is a 25-year radio veteran named Mark Seiler, although a lot of people know him as Mark Thomas, I think. So uh, welcome to the show, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great, Pete. I hope you are. I am doing well. And uh, for uh, full disclosure purposes, I have known Mark since, what, 1998, I, I want to say? It was 98 or 99, somewhere in there, yeah. Right. You were, you were just coming out of Winthrop. And I uh, I needed to get a job in the actual radio side of a radio station because I would uh, I was working prior uh, at the NPR affiliate mailing people coffee mugs and such. And it was not on air and I wanted to be on air. And so I got this job at WRHI in Rock Hill. And uh, you came shortly after that. I think you were doing you were hired to do the morning show, if I remember correctly. Right. I knew the guy who was doing the morning show. And uh, it was actually a, a, a team thing that he was involved with. And the person who he was teamed up with was going away for a couple of weeks. And uh, he asked me if I'd come down and sit in, you know, as a co-host with him. And uh, after about two weeks, something happened and he left. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, okay. And the uh, station owner said, well, you want the job? And I go, I guess, <laughs> you know, sounds good to me. Cause I'd been in radio for, I guess maybe about four or five years at that point, um, and strictly part-time and, uh, in various places. I started off in Belmont at WCGC. I'd done some things at, uh, some other stations in Charlotte and, uh, then the Rock Hill thing came up. Uh, it's all, it's all been by accident. This was never a grand design of mine to be in radio. Right. So you, you never went to, like, did you ever, well, did you ever go to, a, like, a broadcast college or something? Did you ever get any training? No. You just... No. I, I, I got into radio because I was, I was a sales guy for about 30 years. I was active in local politics in Gaston County, and I had uh, run for office, county commission, state house as a libertarian. And had been interviewed by the uh, uh, the local morning talk show on CGC in Belmont, and I was talking to the the host one day about uh, possibly coming onto the show to talk about a, a specific uh, education issue that was coming up in Gaston County, and he said, "Boy, I'd love to talk to you about that next week." He says, "But I'm going to be on vacation. You want to fill in for me?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, I'll, tr- I'll give it a shot. I've listened to Rush Limbaugh." So that's how I ended up getting into radio, and it's just been one thing led to another uh, as far as that goes. So, Which, interestingly, in the passing of Rush, as an aside, uh, had he not gotten into radio and changed AM radio and talk radio as he did, I doubt the local Belmont station would have had a talk format. 
Right. Quite honestly, and I may never have gotten into radio had you know Rush had not had not had such an impact on uh, the medium. Right. Right, because there were so many stations that stayed you know on the air because they carried his program and then were able he was i refer to him as uh, the ratings tent pole you know if you look at a ratings uh hour by hour across the day he's the guy in the middle holding up everything else holding on everything the side. up yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, a lot of these small stations would not be able to operate but for rush limbaugh and what he did for the for the format well and the the station i worked at didn't have limbaugh Mm. Uh, they had uh, G. Gordon Liddy was one of the programs that they had, but they were trying to compete in that segment because prior to that, they had been doing some uh, basically kind of like almost a classic country kind of a thing. Uh, and, you know, it was just a kind of a placeholder on the dial uh, for what they had been doing. I mean, there were great people that worked there or previous to my getting there. And uh, but it was, you know, it was like that format was just kind of slowly fading away and they were looking for something new and they went the talk route. People so. yeah, for folks who um, who are younger than us, I mean, I'm I'm 47 now, but uh, even I like don't really remember radio before Rush because. I mean, he started, I mean, he went national, you know, late 80s or whatever. And right. uh, by the time he was doing his thing, I, I that's when I became aware of radio just in general. So uh, anybody really younger than me doesn't know what radio was like before Limbaugh. And this this news talk format, this spoken word format, it really wasn't. It, it wasn't being done like it is now for good and bad. <laughs> right? right. I mean, it. it... Double-edged sword, sure. Right. Um, and so it's it, it, so that's how we ended up meeting, is in this radio station in Rock Hill. Um, I eventually then, I, I think I left before you did, and I went up to Charlotte and went to work at WBT. And I think you got there, you followed me up there, not like you're a stalker or anything, but you came up right. there after, <laughs> I think, right? right? And then you worked there for on and off for years um, while I went you know, off to Asheville. Right. And that was, you know, that it was the sort of thing that, you know, I left Rock Hill because you know, I, I live in western Gaston County. And let me tell you, working six days a week doing a morning show, that distance, it, it just doesn't, it just wears on you. Yeah. You know, I, I physically couldn't do the, you know, couldn't do the job. And eventually, you know, I, I like the talk format. That's what I started in. And I liked doing what we did in Rock Hill. I liked, you know, doing the morning thing. And when WBT went through a program director change, uh, Bill White uh, is the guy that hired me. I think the, his predecessor hired you. Right. Uh, and, and Bill was looking to uh, make some changes, uh, particularly on the weekends. And I ended up coming into BT as the weekend morning host which that sort of thing doesn't really exist on BT right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that's what Bill White wanted to do back in 2001 uh, uh, when he hired me in January yeah. of that year. So that's kind of how we, we got together. And I would imagine, uh, and I don't, I'm going to ask a question. You're not supposed to ask questions if you don't know the answer to it. That's them, all but, right. Uh, that's okay. When I, when I applied for that job with Bill White, something tells me that, you know, he may have asked, you know, Pete Callender, because I told him we worked together, uh, what you thought of me. So you probably didn't say too many nasty things about me. Well, no, I did, actually. I advised him not to hire you <laughs> because it would cut down on my productivity, um, what with our arguments in the newsroom. Um, also, uh, I, I said lots of bad things, and so they, so they hired you. 
So that's that. Okay. That's that's how much they value, in my opinion. No, I did. I remember. No, I remember. Um, because I like I wanted I wanted you to work there. I wanted you up there because uh, because I did enjoy our debates and uh, uh, we would get actually folks uh, who don't know we would get in trouble at uh, that tiny little radio station in Rock Hill. We would get yelled at by the owner uh, because we would be debating and arguing various political topics. <laughs> well, well and, uh, and, but, and we're both libertarian. That was the kicker. <laughs> but 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 the ones but the ones one aspect of that story you're not telling is the fact that we disturbed the owner at the opposite end of the building from our arguments that were occurring in a soundproof studio. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. Fair enough. <laughs> that's 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 called lively, folks. <laughs> but they were never this was one of the other things also is you know, I, I, I it, you helped to teach me how to argue, uh, but not take things personally in the argument because I liked you and I didn't, you know, whenever we would argue and debate, I never wanted to be mad at you and I had to work with you. So obviously, um, you know, we, we couldn't ruin the relationship. And so, uh, I always enjoyed it. And, uh, I think it helped make me the person I am today, the debater I am today, uh, which probably has hacked off a lot of people. So there's your legacy. You have, <laughs> you have, I'm glad people, I could be there for you, buddy. That's right. You hack off people when you argue and you have, uh, uh, you, you're sort of hacking off others by proxy through me. See that? Okay. Um, uh, all right. So uh, more with Mark Seiler in a minute. First, I got to tell you about old Grouch's military surplus because with spring coming, uh, if you are a hunter or a camper or a hiker or a fisher, basically, if you spend any time outside, you need to get over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Uh, he has got all of the gear that you need, the outdoor uh, equipment to protect you from the elements, and you're going to find this stuff a lot cheaper than you're going to find at most outdoor stores. Also, he can help you put together uh, an emergency supply kit, whether it is for the camping trips, the outdoor adventures, or it's for your go bag or your prep supplies. Um, also, check out you know Old Grouch for uh, body armor needs and gun accessories as well. Tons of real U.S. military surplus. For more than three decades, Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. Shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So the reason why I wanted to have you on and to talk with you is not just to kind of like relive the old glories here, but... Um, when Rush Limbaugh died, your son, uh, who is a listener of the show, and uh, he he sent me a message and he said, but for Rush Limbaugh, um, you would not have found Jesus. You were an atheist for a long time. The entire time I knew you, and we, I think we probably argued about some of that stuff over the years. Um, right. And so, and so he made this connection, and I was kind of intrigued by it. And obviously, there's you know the sense for the for the hint of news here. So let's connect it to the news cycle. And it was Rush's passing, but but for Rush, we would not have had the the opportunity to work in this field. And so, do you connect this to? Oh, mo most definitely. You do most definitely. okay because because if Rush hadn't been. Uh, hadn't changed radio, as I mentioned before, as, as he did, I probably never would have gotten into the medium. Okay. And it was from working at BT, WBT, that I met the the people, the person that ended up leading me to uh, being born again. 
So do you want to? Te- well, I hope you want to tell us because that's really what I that's wanted real- to talk <laughs> with you about. No, I'm not going to tell you. No. <laughs> so because I, when he mentioned this in the message to me, uh, and he didn't, he he wasn't pitching you as a guest or anything like that. He just said, you know, he he th- is thankful for Rush because he. Uh, it allowed you guys to repair your relationship and we don't need to go into that if you don't want to, but the, but I, and I realized that when I read this message and I thought I've never actually heard this story, even though we've known each other for all these years and I knew that you had been born again, I just didn't know the story. So I figured, you know what, why don't I have you on and and ask you? So what happened? Well, well, what happened? Um, To give a little bit of backstory, I was raised Catholic. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I had decided that religion was something that was created by man in order to control them and take their money. I remember this and, argument. And, and <laughs> you remember it? Hey, yeah. Yes, that's, that's, okay. There you go. That, exactly. that jogged the memory. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what led to me becoming atheist. And I would like to, to make a, a, another aside here. I considered myself atheist. I did not consider myself an atheist. And people might think, well, what the heck is the difference? Mm. Well, I've known people who consider themselves to be an atheist. And for them, it borders on being a religion. To me, as someone who was atheist, there isn't any God. Why would I argue with somebody over something I don't think exists? I think that's pretty silly. So I never... I never, if someone was a person of faith, I would never try to convince them that they were wrong and they were going down the wrong path and that, you know... You know atheism is the is the way to go or anything like that because i didn't i didn't view it as something that was necessarily debatable and you weren't trying uh, to convert them to your religion you weren't trying to essentially no, quote, I, save what, them what, what am i going to do convert them to nothing right <laughs> i mean that's that's, that's ludicrous right and that's the and that's the way i always viewed it and you know i would get into arguments with other other atheists, and they say, no, 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 you've got to do this, and you've got to, no, 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 no I'm not going to bother, I'm not going to waste my time and their time trying to convince them they're wrong, you know, and to follow nothing. I mean, that's, I don't follow anything. I'm atheist. Right. Okay, atheist. But, you know, and I, I was that way until, you know, uh, throughout most of my adult life, uh, when Ray, our son, was born, and uh, our daughter uh, also, I never uh, tried to preach them to to be atheist or not believe. Uh, our daughter often went to church with her friends. I never discouraged her. Uh, I never encouraged her. But I didn't say, "What are you doing going out with these other, you know, with these religious folk?" Yeah. I felt, you know, this is what I came to in my growing up. They needed to kind of find their own path, and for me to try to make them go down that path of atheism uh, again. For the same reason, I didn't argue with people who were of faith to change their mind. Did you think that there was any kind of, and real quick here, I'm talking with uh, Mark Seiler, who is a 25-year radio veteran. I worked with him on and off for most of my career, and I wanted to have him on to talk about the story of how he found and, or I guess, re-found Born Again, but re-found his relationship with God. And um, did you ever think when you you were uh, raising the kids— um, did you ever think like, well, I may not dig organized religion, but I see the value for a kid in like the developmental ages or something? Did you ever think of it like, uh, well, there's some benefit to it, so fine? 
No, because I, I didn't. Again, uh, I, my 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 upbringing didn't lead me to to look at it that way. Right. Uh, and I can't say I, I honestly. I can honestly say I never actually even you know considered that angle of it, uh, and to think that it would necessarily be quote unquote beneficial. Right. Uh, because I thought it was I thought it was erroneous thinking, but well, people think erroneously all the time. Right. So you know they're going to have to find their own way. Was was my attitude about it, but uh, what changed? Uh, the way the change came about, and this is what uh, this is what Ray's talking about primarily, I think. Uh, and and he would acknowledge that you know when he was a teenager, you know, lots of fathers and sons have rocky relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. when the kids are in their teens, and ours was, you know, probably about as rocky as as a lot as, as many. And uh, we didn't have a great relationship with each other. We tolerated each other. Uh, but what changed all that was in the it, – it actually started in the fall of 2007. And uh, you remember, you remember uh, Keith Larson, who used to work 9 to noon yeah. on WBT. I was his producer from day one until, you know, 2013, the, towards the end of 2013. And he used to do his ride for the kids, his motorcycle ride, spring and fall and that sort of thing. And he was doing his fall ride. And uh, uh, Jimmy Ibbotson, uh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band fame, was the guest performer at the you know, at the at the party, you know, at the end of the ride. And when he was going to, he was in the studio on this Friday before the Saturday of the event. And we were taking calls and I get this call from this guy and he says, Hey, I'd like to talk to Ibby. Okay. Well, that's fine. You know, put him on the air and he gets on the air and he says, Hey, I got a couple of daughters that play bluegrass music and I'd like them to come out and play for you tomorrow with the ride. And it was like all the air was sucked out of the studio at that moment. Mm. Because as you know, when you're doing remotes mm-hmm. and you're having live events and people come up and they want to be a part of it, it can go bad really quick. Mm-hmm. And it can be a real, a real ugly thing. And we're like, okay. And well, now you've you just, know. he, he just put this out on live radio and now what are you going to be the jerk that says no to a bunch of kids that want to help other kids exactly exactly and so what are you going to do you're going to you're going to sit there and go geez i hope i hope they can't find the place right well they did (laughs) and and they showed up and uh, uh i will be open about this because um uh it was it was the flowers family yeah. Some people may recognize that name. Um, for, it's a bluegrass gospel band. Uh, that was their primary focus back then in 2007. And uh, uh, the oldest daughter, Alana, played banjo. Hannah, her younger sister, played fiddle. And they showed up, and they're like, hi, we're here, ready to play. And Keith was like, okay, well, we'll bring them over, and we'll, you know, we'll pat them on the head and say, you know, this, that, and the other, and nice things. And... He asked him, he says, well, what do you do? And he, they said, well, we play in our family band, you know, the Flowers family band. He says, well, do you ever play anywhere? And she says, and Alana says, yeah, we've played Merle Fest a few times, which <laughs> people who may not be familiar with Merle Fest oh, is no. probably the biggest Americana bluegrass yeah. event east of the Mississippi. Yeah. And Jimmy Ibbotson, who I was standing right next to at that particular moment when she uttered that phrase, has never been invited to play at Merle Fest. And I looked at him, and he was literally slack-jawed. 
Hmm. He was his mouth dropped open, and they ended up playing and so on, and it was a it was a wonderful time. Well, fast forward to next spring, Alana is a, a student at Belmont Abbey College, and she wants to do an internship with WBT on the Larson Show. Okay, and she comes in first day. And she sits down because as the producer, you know, the lead producer of the show, I'm responsible for the interns. And uh, just as a word of warning to people who want to get into radio and be a producer, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't always go real well. I'll tell you that right now. But in this particular case, uh, she came in first day on the job and she sits down next to my desk and she says, hi, I'm a Christian. And I said, hi. I'm atheist. I guess we'll talk about radio. <laughs> so you know, that's how that's how we got started. And over the that was like in early May or late April, something like that. And over the course of the next few months, I kept noticing there was something really different about this person. When you know, it was just she truly lived what one would consider to be a Christ-like life. Hmm. And I, I, I was amazed. I was I was shocked. And it reached a point where, you know, I, it's like she was just she was just so nice. I mean, she was just so kind. And I mean, you could you couldn't do you couldn't help but like this girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, after a time, somewhere in in July, when she was doing her internship, it was like there was almost like this an aura when she would walk into a room, and it was the weirdest thing I'd ever I'd ever felt. She would walk into a room, and it would just be like. The room, the the whole atmosphere changed. I mean, physically, and I just wrote it off. You know, well, whatever. I, who knows what's going on? I don't know. But it just seemed kind of odd. Every time she'd walk into a room, it would be like there would be this vibrancy mm-hmm. that would that would come along with her. And she wanted to um, uh, after her internship. She had done this thing called Banjo Friday, and she'd play a little banjo tune every Friday morning to kick off the uh, kick off the show at nine o'clock. And I had recorded all these things. I put them together as a CD, and I got to, I had gotten to know her family a little bit, you know, during the internship uh, through various events that had been held and that sort of thing. And so I made her this CD, and I took it to her, and I, I actually went to their house. And, you know, mom and dad are there. Oh, this is wonderful, and you know, always oh, in this nice of you to do this and that sort of thing. And she says, look. Uh, I'd really like to record some of my own music. Uh, okay, well, how can you know? What, what do you want me to do? And she says, you know, could you come into the studio and produce some stuff for me? And I said, sure. I said, when do you want to do it? And she said, I said, look, Labor Day's coming up, September first. Nobody's going to be there. It's going to be a Monday. Place is going to be empty. I'll meet you there. We'll spend some time and record your music and go over this and, you know, put this together and make a few, uh, you know, demo CDs you can send out to to whoever you want to send them to, radio stations or what have you, you know, record companies and all that. And during the course of that day, she starts talking to me about this, you know, family issue that, that, that she's struggling with. And I said, you know, I, I, I know the situation you're talking about. I've seen this kind of thing before, but there's nothing you can do to fix it. The people that are causing the the turmoil are going to have to change. And I said, if you go to them and shake your finger in their face and say, you're causing a problem and you got to change, I said, they're going to dig in their heels and it's only going to get worse. So there's really nothing you can do, nothing I can do to fix this. Well, it bothered me like, like nothing else ever had. It truly disturbed my my consciousness hmm. because here's this person that over the course of you know several months I had come to to know respect and care for 
And, you know, here she comes to this atheist. I mean, she's a, she's a person of faith, right? okay? When people have family problems, they go to their pastor, they go to their priest. They don't find an atheist and say, hey, can you help me? Yeah. You know, that's, so obviously she was at the end of her rope. She had nowhere else to turn, and she comes to me. And it was, it, it was, it was very troubling because I thought, you know, she is just so nice and wonderful. What, you know— did you feel I can, like I can't do anything? Did you feel like you gave her bad advice or or did you feel like you needed to try and do more? I felt like I had to do something. Yeah. Uh because I didn't feel like I had done anything for her other than, you know, analyze the situation and say, well, you know, if you do this, it's going to blow up in your face. So I can't tell you what to do because doing something is probably going to exacerbate the problem. Mhm. You know, so it, no help it, at all. You were like, no help. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, well, I, I, I kind of hope by telling her that it would at least calm her mind to think, okay, I can quit trying to figure out how to fix it. Right. You know, could, you know, and, and agonizing over what could she do to change the situation, and you know, try to, you know, it's like the old serenity prayer. You mm-hmm. know, change the things you can and accept those you can't, and all that. And but it still bothered me. I mean, it, it it tore me up. I didn't hardly sleep that night because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, what can I do? Is there right. something I could do? Anything? What you know? What can I? Po- I mean, here's this again. This person that I've come to 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 care for and respect, and who's just a wonderful person. You know, I felt desperate to have to help. You know, in this situation. And the next morning, I'm driving to work up I-85. And uh, top down on the Miata, by the way. And, <laughs> well, it was September second. Yes. Okay, it was a nice, it was a nice balmy morning. Okay, and I'm driving up 85, and I'm sitting there thinking it's just tearing me up. And I thought, okay, God, if you exist, and you hear an atheist after 30 years, fix this problem. And it, that was it. That's what I did. And, you know, it still was that it was still bothering me. But, uh, you know, I went to work and all this and that. And I was, you know, do the regular show prep and, you know, working on the show. And at 1114 that morning on September 2nd, 2008, she sends me an email to work saying, guess what? When we got up this morning, the problem was solved. Hmm. At that instant. I'm standing here in the studio, you know the studio at BT, standing there at the main, you know, console, looking at the computer to my right, reading this email, and at that moment, at 11.14, I felt a wave of energy start at the top of my head and run all the way down through my body, through my feet. I don't, and I've not been the same since. I went from the ultimate type A personality that you knew before arguing in the soundproof studios to having a calm that I never knew before in my life. Because at that moment, I knew God heard me. I don't expect people to believe this. I don't expect anybody to understand it. Because if it hadn't happened to me, I probably wouldn't believe it. and I know I wouldn't understand it. But that's what happened to me. And I changed in that instant. What happened next? More with Mark Seiler. In a minute. First, uh, let me tell you about a change that I've experienced the way I sleep. 
It's true. I would always be one of these people that would wake up in the middle of the night, usually, you know, two, three times, mind kind of going, take about 20, 30 minutes to fall back asleep. So obviously not the most restful uh, because my brain couldn't shut down. Well, I started taking CBD oil and just a couple of drops before I go to bed. And when I go to sleep now, I stay asleep. I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. So if you are interested, please check out Growers Hemp. This is what I use. These are North Carolina farmers. They decided, you know what, why don't we do this? We control the process from seed all the way to shelf. Growershemp.com, that's their website, full spectrum hemp extract. Uh, They also have topicals like The Balm. And all this month, by the way, for the valentine's day deal they're doing a buy one get one free so type in the promo code love when you check out and you'll get one when you buy one of the balm and see website for details and the offer ends at the end of the month february 28th uh so growershemp.com i got to give you this disclaimer too govco requires it Uh, These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The website, again, growershemp.com. Promo code LOVE for a buy one, get one free deal of the bomb. Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So, Mark, this change that you talk about, this was the change that your son recognizes now. Obviously, right. everyone around you recognized right. the change. Well, it, it was, you know, it, it was. I mean, I just, I, I, I totally changed the way I, the way I acted and the way I treated people. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't used to think of myself as a mean, bad guy. But really? I, really? Well, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> well, it's not. Okay. And, and, and my son, Ray, will tell you, you know, I, I never, it, it's like I never beat him. No. You know, I right. mean, I, there was never, there almost was <laughs> physical violence, but it never really <laughs> got to that point. You know, I was always able to control myself. No, I never thought you were a mean person, uh, well, ever. But, but I mean, it, it, but it, it did. It changed me dramatically. And at, in fact, about a month after it happened, I didn't say anything to anybody at work, you know, at the, at the station. I didn't tell Keith Larson. I didn't tell anybody. And after about a month, we were having one of our little post-show meetings. It might have been on a Friday. And he stopped and he said, what is wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? He says, you, you're different. Hmm. For about the past month, you've been different. And I said, well, let me tell you. So he saw it initially. And Ray wasn't uh, Ray wasn't living at home at the time when this happened. And, you know, he would see me on occasion. And we, and we didn't necessarily have a bad relationship once he moved out. You know, he had gotten married. I mean, you know, things were, you know, things were going along fairly well. Uh, I was starting to get into motorsports with the Miata and that sort of thing. And he was doing, you know, he was doing that with me. So we were, we were getting a, a, a better relationship. So hang on. But, I need to, I need to tell people who may not be aware that there are people that race Mazda Miatas and Mark is one of them. <laughs> so in case you're not aware, there is an entire culture around the Miata racing world. And Mark got into that very, very heavily at, uh, during the time period. So, and st- you're still involved right. in it very and still involved right. in it. We've got a race coming up in a few weeks, but right. anyway, uh, you know, but, but from that standpoint, Ray saw the changes in me and I think it may have been about a year and a half 
after I got saved that, you know, he was he was having problems in his life, you know, like everybody does, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, realized that, you know, my change and I ne- and I never preached to him that he needed to convert or he, he needed to believe or he needed to follow. I just tried to, to live the best life I could. And through that, he saw the changes in me and how much better my life was by accepting Jesus. And he, has, he turned his life over to Christ as well, which has made him a, uh, a great Christian father and a head of household mm. uh, in raising his son. So, you know, and that's, and honestly, that's the, to me, that's the best part of the story. Yeah. Is the fact that it, that it affected uh, my son in ways that I couldn't have imagined and has helped him have a better life. Uh, so that's, and that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at right now. And he's, he's very, uh, very devout, uh, in his belief in Jesus. And, uh, I couldn't be prouder of it. And it, it's all due to Rush Limbaugh. Isn't that amazing? Well, <laughs> when you, well, you know, the butter, the butterfly flaps yeah, its wings. Exactly. And then you get a, you know, then a, a hurricane hits Houston or something like that. Okay. Right. Right. Well, it's 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 kind of that thing. Had Rush Limbaugh not gotten into radio and changed AM talk radio as he did, I never would have gotten into it. And you know, had we not met at Rock Hill, yeah, I probably never, I might never have gotten a chance, gotten gotten a shot at WBT. And had I not been at WBT, I not would have, I would not have been exposed uh, to the Flowers uh, to the family, salvation. yeah, to the yeah. Flowers family, and uh, uh, what Alana has you know brought into my life, yeah. Uh, and I, I am forever indebted to her for that. Uh, I make no bones about it. And so. she knows this. You've told her this, I'm sure. Oh, her. yes. Yeah. In fact, uh, she was doing a podcast. and uh, Everyone's the doing them nowadays, I tell you. It's well, crazy. this hey, 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 this goes back to 2009, <laughs> buddy. She was ahead of the curve, okay? And uh, actually, it was on the uh, the first anniversary of My Salvation, the show that she was doing, that we had, we talked about this in depth. So. Mm. And yeah, she's, uh, she's very aware. Anything else you want to add that you think is important or interesting to note here before I let you go? Um, not really, other than to other than to tell people who do have faith, who know, um, who have friends and family that uh, uh, aren't believers or have fallen away, don't stop praying. It's on God's time. It's not on your time. So you know, keep the faith and keep the prayers going because if it can happen to me at 55 years of age it's never too late mark seiler thanks for your time thanks for uh sharing your story i appreciate it thanks for your friendship and uh you know your help in my career over the last 25 years that i've known you i appreciate it well it it was the least i could do pete yeah so never let it be said i didn't do the least i could do (laughs) that's right you and me both All right, that is Mark Seiler, and uh, let me tell you about Mattress Man. Great people, great hearts. They actually donate mattresses to local charities. Uh, It's the way that they give back to their local community. In fact, Chuck, the owner of Mattress Man, 
um, makes a point to hire veterans. Once again, this is uh, how he lives his faith through uh, his business. And uh, if you want to support a business like that, you want to support a business that supports this show, go to Mattress Man Stores. they got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They have local five-star delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee, and they are the exclusive provider of the Biltmore mattresses. These are made by Restonic in Fayetteville. Uh, the Biltmore Collection... Uh, These are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore Hotel and the inn that are on the grounds of the estate. So if you want that kind of luxury in your bedroom, go to Mattress Man and experience the difference. Mattressmanstores.com. That's mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So I figure this would be as good a time as any uh, to tell... uh, a story that I've told before on the air over the last, uh, oh, 25 years or so. Um, but people have asked me when this topic comes up about religion, and I don't really, I don't talk a lot about it. Uh, and in, in a way, I guess I'm kind of like, I noticed, you know, Rush Limbaugh made some comments about this after he was diagnosed with uh, his uh, stage four lung cancer, uh, that, you know, he never really talked about religion or his faith on the show. And uh, because that's not what the show was about um, to a large degree. Right. And uh, and and not that I took my cue from him on that score, but uh, it just, you know, I do a show about current events and politics and the times when it comes up, I I tell the story. Uh, So I figure, you know what, I'll tell the story now and I'll bookend it with Marx because it is kind of similar. It's about a deal that I made as well. So spring break last year of college. So this would have been around 1997. And I didn't have any plans and I didn't have any money. I literally had $20 in cash and a gas card. And I said, uh, for this last week before I you know, graduate, I'm going to go and just drive west because I had never been west of the eastern seaboard, uh, you know, the states on the, along the east coast. And I said, let me just drive west as far as I can go for half of the week and then I'll turn around and drive back. And I had a Volkswagen bus and it had uh, the back seat that would fold down, connect with a little coffee table kind of deal in there. And there were some cabinets that were built in and uh, I would I could lower that down and sleep in the bus. OK, so I got my dog, which was uh, Delilah, Black Lab, Cocker Spin mix and uh we got in the the bus and headed west and went you know down i-40 uh went up over the continental divide and then went into tennessee now the volkswagen bus had a bad alternator and which means I, i it would not recharge the battery as i would drive so i had to recharge the battery every night whenever i would stop i'd have to take the battery out and hook it to a a charger that I brought with me. So I always needed to find a campground that had hookups, right, that had uh, electrical hookups. Uh, So I pull off in Tennessee at a campground, and I don't know, it was probably about, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon or so. Um, And I remember there was sort of this large... I guess kind of a soccer field looking thing that was all at the top, this big open field at the top. And there were houses that were up around the area. And then there was a trail that went down. And so I said, well, I want to be off of this, you know, big open area. Let me go down the trail. So I drove down. There are these little campsites around and uh, they were smaller. You know, they had a picnic table, a fire pit. And uh, I said, well, let me turn the van around so it's pointed out. So when I'm ready in the morning, I can just drive out. And I had listened to, because it had been raining kind of on and off in the area, and I'd been listening to the radio, and I was like, well, I don't want to get caught down here in the mud. So I see a break in the tree line, and so I pull the, the bus forward. And if you know anything about the Volkswagen bus, the wheels, right, you sit right on top of the wheels. 
uh, as the driver. And so I go towards this break in the tree line to then back up, right? So I'm, I go forward. Well, when I hit the tree line, what I didn't see was that it was a fire trail and it it dropped almost at like a 45 degree angle. And when I when those wheels went over that ridge, I slid all the way down this fire trail. It had to have been a good, I don't know, 50, 60 yards down and uh, came to a stop at the bottom of this trail and just stuck in the mud uh, halfway up to the wheels. uh, And it was yeah, it was pretty bad. So I take a um, I take the jack out of the, the bus and it's one of the post jacks. So it's not like one of those diamond ones. It's just a big like post. And uh, I start cranking the car up or the bus up and uh, I ripped off some uh, I ripped off the cabinet doors. I had to pull those off the cabinets inside, got a bunch of branches and stuff, stuffed them under, you know, as best I could under the tires, dug out a bunch of the mud, tried to build a platform for this jack to sit on. You can see where this is going probably, right? So as I'm jacking the bus up, the cabinet uh, doors that I had stacked up in order to create this platform, they snap. And when they snap, the bus falls and it drives the jack, which is a post, and drives it right down into the ground, into the mud. I can't get it out. I mean, it's buried. It is still there, by the way, on the side of some mountain in Tennessee. So at this point, I'm pretty upset, pretty mad. And I uh, I think I exhausted about, uh, I don't know, probably 75% of uh, my known uh, vulgar vocabulary. I started beating on the side of the, the van. And, uh, and then, of course, it starts to rain. Drizzle starts. And so I, I make this deal, right? I say, all right, God, uh, I'm going to need some help here. And uh, if you are, and by the way, like at this point, uh, like Mark Seiler, I was raised Catholic, but at this point in my life, uh, I had taken to calling myself a deist. I knew there was a higher power of some kind, but I didn't attribute anything or any kind of characteristics to it. And uh, everybody around me at the time in college, they all thought this was such an enlightened, smart position. <laughs> uh, oh, he's a deist. That sounds so smart. Uh, anyway, so I, 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 I call out and I'm like, I'm going to need some help. Right. I I need some help here. And if you are the all powerful, the all knowing, the all loving God, then I I, I need to see it. I'm going to need some help. So uh, after that, you know, I kind of collect my stuff. I throw the broken pieces of the cabinet into the back. And I eat a can of tuna fish because that's, you know, (laughs) what I was living off of. Uh, Eat a can of tuna fish. I gave the dog some food. I'm like, all right, well, let's hike back up the trail. I know there's a road back there. I can kind of hear it in the distance. So let me go back up there. So we hike back up the fire trail and then uh, get up to that and and start making my way towards that clearing up that road. And as I'm going up that dirt road, uh, all of a sudden out of the trees comes two dogs and they come running right up to me and my dog. And I, I'm thinking, oh, fantastic. I'm going to get, you know, eaten by a pack of wild dogs. And no one's going to know because my, you know, bus is down the side of some mountain and God knows where they're going to drag my body. Um, and for, I just remember the dogs came up. There was one of them and it was white. And I'm just looking at this thing and it's staring at Delilah and Delilah staring at it. And the next thing I hear a whistle. And a guy comes out, he's walking down the road, he comes around the bend. And 
I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, can you help me? My uh, my car slid down the fire trail <laughs> down this uh, at the campsite. I went to turn around and slid down. And he just kind of looks at me kind of like, is this kid for real? <laughs> you know, am I trying to pull one over on him? And uh, he says, where are you from? And I applied. I am not ashamed to say I applied a, maybe a bit of an over accentuated southern accent when I told him from Rock Hill, South Carolina. And he looks over. He looks uh, looks over at the campsite area and he uh, says, all right, we'll get you out. And so he he takes off. and He comes back with a bobcat, one of those uh trucks you know which by the way you can get a general equipment rental um so he comes back with a bobcat hooks it to the bus but during this process of trying to get the bus free uh the bus's alternator uh, or the battery uh dies the alternator is not charging it so now i have no juice whatsoever it's a dead vehicle right so the bobcat can't get traction the the grade is too steep and so he says well we'll get it out tomorrow but i knew there was rain in the forecast and i was like i can't i I don't want to leave it down here overnight and have it be even worse tomorrow morning or even slide further down the mountain or farther down the mountain uh so what to do i'll tell you what happened first let me tell you what happens when you call rowena Patton. she gets your house sold that's what happens or she puts you in your new home that's what she does she and her all-star powerhouse team give them a call at 333-4483 mountainhomehunt.com is their website um and she outsells 99% of the realtors. She has buyers uh, in uh, already lined up. She has homes in all price points. And she's the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville, which is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. Uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. Give her a call. Put her to work for you. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com and start packing so i tell this fellow his name by the way was don and i tell don i can't uh, i don't want to wait overnight i could but i don't because i don't want to because it's going to rain so he thinks it over and he's like well um i do know he's like i got this friend up the mountain he's got a four by four we can try and uh see if he's around and again, this was, you know, 1997. So I didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone or anything. So uh, he's like, come on with me. So I get in his car and uh, we start heading up the mountain and uh, we get to this trailer and uh, he goes up and knocks on the door. He tells me to wait in the car. He knocks on the door. And I believe this guy's name was Ted. I was honestly a little too preoccupied about my impending death uh <laughs> to be 100 percent certain um but he was the one with the four by four pickup truck so ted comes out of the trailer and he gets in the truck he says yeah come with me and so i get in his truck and this thing i thank don for his help and uh we go back down the mountain in this four by four pickup truck that's just like the like the it's a stick shift and every time he tries to shift it, it's like it's just you know growling and snarling it's missing the uh like the windows it's just yeah i mean it was a trip down the mountain okay so we get in the truck we head on down um we go back down to the uh fire trail and he backs down he um oh and by the way as we're driving uh down the mountain I, he we put my dog in the back of the pickup truck and so i'm you know looking out the back window at her making sure she's okay as we go down uh the mountain and all uh and so we get back down to the volkswagen we back the his truck to mine 
throw the chain around my bumper and uh, he starts pulling me up and it and it worked like a like a charm right i'm i'm in my bus and i'm looking through my back window through his window so i can see the back of his head right the whole time and the whole time just like when i was looking through the back window at my dog in the bed of the pickup truck i never saw it never saw it and we take he takes about 5 seconds he tows me up the trail we go past the campsite. We go all the way back up to the field where there's a hookup so I can put my battery uh, on the charger. He then, we get out of the uh, the vehicle, out of the vehicles, and uh, he gets into the bed, and I start undoing the chain so he can uh, put the chain away in his uh, in the back of his truck. He's standing in his in the bed of his pickup truck, and I never saw it then either. And as I'm telling him, you know, thank you very much. I can't ever repay you. I said, all I have is 20 bucks. And he says, don't worry about it. He says, I've pulled so many people off this mountain. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. And as we're talking, another truck pulls up and a woman gets out and she says, you know, Ted, what's going on? She kind of seemed annoyed. She's like, come on, what's going on? Like, are we going to play some music tonight or what? And Ted's like, okay, okay. Like, I got to, I got to go. So he jumps out of his truck and as he starts pulling away, that's when I finally see, because the lights from the woman's pickup truck hits the rear window, the same spot that I had looked at on the ride down the mountain when Delilah was in the back, uh, the same spot I was looking at when I was you know, looking through my window, getting towed up the fire trail. Um, and then when I was looking at him as he stood in the bed of the truck, and I never saw it. It was only when he's pulling away, and it was a simple novelty item. I had seen it a million times before. It was a license plate wedged up into the window, and it says, God is my co-pilot. And at that point, I said, well, <laughs> a deal's a deal. <laughs> and that's that's my story. And it's very similar to Mark. So when he told me that story, I kind of got the same sensation, the same kind of chill bumps that I just got. And I, every time I tell the story, I always get the goosebumps when I tell that story. When I tell the story, and I know the story, I know how it's going to end. <laughs> but it always, it always affects me the same way. And I don't know, maybe it affects other people the same way when they hear it too. Um, if so, if it, if it helps one person, then it's worth it. So I just felt like that was uh, this was a good show to to put that in. All right, that is a wrap for the episode. I do appreciate all of the uh, folks who stuck around and listened. Thank you very much for subscribing. Uh, remember, if you can, leave a uh, positive review or a thumbs up or something like that or a five-star rating or something like that on the podcast platform if you can. Um, otherwise, we'll talk with you later, and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. Oh, I forgot, thepetecalendarshow.com. Thanks a lot.